Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about what to do when clients aren't spending. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, so this is sort of, this, this concept is sort of triggered by recent news about Silicon Valley Bank and, and, you know, imagine a situation where you have taken our advice and have niched down on a, you know, a narrow target market, very specific ideal buyers, and maybe they're all startups and they have all of their money in a, the same bank and, and they get spooked. And, you know, I don't know if that's how that's going to work itself out or if it has worked itself out, but uh, certainly things like that happen. It's kind of like a micro recession on a particular vertical yeah, I like thinking about it that way because I'm thinking, in, you know, in the case of SVB, we're we're recording this on a Tuesday of the week after this happened. So over the weekend, the FDIC stepped in. The government said we're going to guarantee. So a lot of people who were probably feeling pretty crazed and scared, i.e., founders with big payrolls who banked at SVP, are probably feeling better about that this week. But it does things with your mindset. I think it, it plays with the mindset of, of a founder on their sense of safety and security. And then, you know, today, uh, Facebook announced another, I think it was 11,000 layoffs on top of the 13,000 or so they announced last year. So um, even though Facebook is and not a startup, it's all kind of in that same insular tech universe. So I just think it'd be interesting to talk about, you know, what happens when all of a sudden clients aren't spending, either because they have this this fear and this mindset concern, or if there's actually a recession and they're pulling back mm -hmm. on the kinds of projects that or, or work that you would normally do with them. Mm, yeah, I had a. I feel like we talked about this here and there uh, over the years, and I've probably told this story before, but I had a. A client during the banking crisis who was serving like they they were like basically a an advertising agency or um, a hiring agency it's kind of like a uh, they did recruiting ads basically for trucking specifically for trucking companies and there aren't that many trucking companies and they're they're like a lot of a few big ones and some small ones and it was notable back then when that happened the chilling effect that it had on their 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 sense of their risk tolerance went way down right mm -hmm. so first it's like yeah. everybody okay don't move <laughs> what's going to happen <laughs> you know they go into this lockup mode and uh and that ended up being pretty rough that was a pretty rough road but i it was noticeable because i i was not niched down back then this is way back like 2007 or something no bank crisis 2008 2009 and and I noticed that it rolled through different industries uh, at a different rate. You know, it's so like it hit trucking mm -hmm. first, and then other parts of the supply chain later, and and then farther up into the white collar areas. You know, into eleven and twelve, it was it was really drawn out. But something like this is much. I mean, it's a big deal, but it's much smaller than that. And that effect that 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 bear you know, like hibernating mm -hmm. move is you got to deal with it sometimes, especially if you are, you know, like my client was specifically an agency for a particular vertical. I mean, they, mm -hmm. they were explicitly, you know, did that one thing for that one market. 
So we thought we would talk about some ways that you could reframe what you do or not reinvent, but but come up with maybe new products and services or something, how to respond when clients are feeling, um, they're feeling like they don't want to take any risks, they're feeling like they want to hold on to every penny, they want to uh, trim anything that seems uh, luxurious or optional and just hunker down for some period of time. Well, and I just want to add to that, that when, when we talked about this in 2020, for some people, we really talked about a pretty sharp pivot um, because what they were accustomed to providing, just you couldn't provide it right then. So you really needed a pivot. That's not right. really what we're talking about here. Right. This is, uh, you know, what we're kind of assuming is that you're happy with your niche. You've enjoyed it. You're working your way through um, your business model. You like the people in the industry, the niche that you're serving. And this is really more of, you know, how do you keep it going while your people are risk averse? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, I, it's, it would be interesting to talk to a bankruptcy attorney about this because I'm thinking those guys must just have up and down, up and down. I mean, they were so busy in 2008, 2009, <laughs> 2010, but I'll bet they weren't that busy in like 2015. You probably, yeah. Yeah. It, it makes sense. Yeah. It kind of like yeah. the herd was thinned. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, and they may be more used to that just because of the nature of the beast. But I think it's important to really think about, you know, what are the options? Mm. Yeah. So, and, and I think it might be something like this might be a little bit different than a broader recession or something like that, because it's, I feel like this is just my gut instinct, but I feel like it would be more complete. In other words, advice to like, oh, well, just, just find the ones that didn't have their money in that bank and, uh, or Mm -hmm. something like that, you know, just, it's like, yes, a bunch of people are going to belt tighten and hunker down. But not all of them will. So, you know, find the ones who are using this as an opportunity to make a leapfrog uh, event happen, you know, where everybody mm-hmm. else is hunkered down. Like the kind of people that in the market sort of buy low, sell high, you know, like they like yeah. buy when everyone's selling and sell when everybody's buying, right? So like you, yeah. could, you could perhaps find companies that do, that, that let's stick with startups that are, that see this as an advantage. You know, so like there might be a, fra- I feel like it'll be harder to find them than like in a recession where they're, it's, it's a slower roll, but something like this is, you know, such a sh- uh, instant shock across a specific vertical. It might be really hard to find people who are seeing, you know, chaos is a ladder, like seeing this as an opportunity to jump ahead, but I suppose it's an option, but that is, it feels less likely in this particular case or a case like this. But so if that was something that you wanted to do, you could, assuming that you're writing, you're blogging, you're writing articles, or you've got some outlets where your pieces go, you could talk about that, mm-hmm. that this is an opportunity to leapfrog ahead mm-hmm. and be thinking more proactively, strategically, creatively, um, you know, especially, you know, assuming that that's part of your brand. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say the exact same thing. So if you could really speak intelligently in those terms. That would be, I think that would be a great idea. So, but there's a lot of this, I think a lot of the suggestions uh, certainly that I've had, I've got written down here, sort of like reframing. So another thing you could do, like, let's say, let's say you can't, or that doesn't, you can't do that, or it doesn't seem like the right move for you to find the risk takers who want to leapfrog. You could reframe your, whatever your offerings are as the smart move, like the financially smart move, either framing it as cheaper than the downside or cheaper than some other alternative 
not cheap, not cheaper compared to like your competitors, but, but less expensive than the, than some other alternative. So in a software space, that could be something like you need to do more with less. You, you're not going to be able to, I don't want to say make payroll. I mean, the people are facing things like that, but you can't, you certainly can't hire right now. You haven't got the budget to do it. Um, now is not the time to slow your growth. So let me come in and either systematize your processes or start with maybe start with a roadmap of some kind and let them implement it internally, like to, something to uh, allow them to like automate their internal systems or even just streamline them with with checklists, you know, like a like a sort of management consultant might do organizational design, that kind of thing, and frame it as the fiscally smart thing to do. If you imagine them, you know, like say you sell to founders or CEOs that are impacted by this, they need to make a case to their board or their employees or their their the rest of the C-suite. They need to make a case to you know, write you a check for $25,000 when everybody's nervous about money and they need to be able to tell a story about how that's actually the smart thing to do because, you know, in the short yes. term, it's going to benefit us in these three ways. And in the longer term, we'll continue to see benefits from this, you know, indefinitely. And so it's really, it could just be that you reframe your writing or your your podcasting, your speaking, your uh, whatever marketing you're doing, your social media, you could reframe it around you, your option being a smarter financial move than, than not not hiring you, right? Like doing it some other harder way that's more expensive. Well, this is also the perfect example of why just selling yourself for an hourly or a daily rate is is a bad idea. Because when you've got this kind of scenario, you're going to be typically the first on the chopping block. You're normally outside contractors are going to come before employees. But if you are taking a consultant's mindset, which is everything Jonathan just said, Right. If you're taking that mindset, then you've got an opportunity to do something that is perhaps um, a lot less revenue, but higher impact and right. you can do more of them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if, if somebody is in this position where they've been just kind of basically selling themselves at, at a daily rate, this might be a good time to really rethink that and experiment. Yep. Yeah, that was my next note, actually, which is just like, OK, the, the I suppose a, a silver lining to an event like this is that you can read people's minds maybe more easily than usual, where you know what they're thinking about. So perhaps you could come up with a some a, a, a say a productized service or even a product perhaps if you could create it quickly enough to address the the new current expensive problem of the day in some way that is is still very profitable for you, but is aligned with their risk tolerance in the moment. Maybe it's some kind of diagnostic or roadmap or architecture or streamlining some plan, something like that, strategic plan or something like that. But it could be a piece of a piece of what you normally do or just some kind of customized innovative way, something you haven't offered before where you could reach back out to maybe even your past clients in that space and say, hey, I, you know, I've been watching the news. I imagine you're pretty freaked out. I put together uh, a three-step program that I can take your executive team through in a day and a half. I know you're probably crazy busy, but here are the benefits that you could expect from the engagement, you know, and, and you price it at like 
$10,000 or something, you know, it's where it's, it's like an amount of money that they could easily get approved. And you, you know, you're going to, I don't know, get them aligned, you know, the war room kind of thing. I don't know what it is, depending on what it depends on what you do, but very, very high, maybe even higher altitude or farther upstream, more strategic than things that you have done in the past that you can offer at an acceptable price. Yeah. It's moving up the food chain. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just one little step. I mean, this could be the ideal time to take a step from thinking of yourself as a freelancer to thinking of yourself as a consultant and business owner. Mm. Yeah, I sure wouldn't want someone to to go downstream. So, you know, to, no. to like either lower prices of existing things or or do, you know, let's say you've been doing a lot of brains work and you're like, oh, well, I can sell brains work, uh, hands work cheaper. It's like that's the stuff that they probably don't want right now well it's also a really slippery slope yeah yeah and it's i I guess it's one thing if you've got to put food on the table you need to do what you need to do so no judgment um but if you're if you're okay if you've got you know some savings and you're you know yes it makes you nervous not having you know wads of cash coming in at every moment um it's a good (laughs) opportunity to move up not to not to go backwards right yeah and then you'll have shared trauma with your clients and they'll love you forever <laughs> it's like oh if i'm you, telling you it is so true <laughs> if you jump to their rescue with something that actually helps it's a great it'll be great long term it'd be great long term well and the other thing is is that, you know I, I know i've said this before but some of my greatest long-term relationships were with clients where they experienced something horrible and you know the the situations varied um it could be a merger where they were they didn't get the chief you know staff job for their role um it, it could be they got fired but being there for them is it takes very very little time and most people won't do it most people in your situation like your competitors in quotes will mm. not be holding their hands or like oh yeah did he land yet okay nope not taking that call not doing that email so mm-hmm. that little extra bit of care it, it just cements relationships in ways you can't even imagine so do that invest mm. in in your people yeah i mean if even just reaching out to past clients, you know, it's like a good time to to say like, hey, how you doing? Is there anything I can do to help? Stay you, And maybe that'll even turn into something. Maybe it won't. But but that's the mindset. The mindset is like, if, if you adopt this posture of service, you are here to help your clients improve their lives. These transformations that we're always talking about. This is the kind of, this, this is it. That's the mindset. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. The I, I would, like, like you said, if... You got to put food on the table. Do what you got to do. Yeah, no, no judgment. But yeah. if you can afford to not go downstream and, and make yourself smaller in their eyes instead of bigger, that 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 would be my advice. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing is when you have enough cash to be able to not worry about your next project, it's also an excellent time to invest in some kind of an authority project Mm -hmm. and the authority project could be something that isn't really about the revenue but is about kind of pushing yourself again up the food chain for your clients like a book 
Um, or I mean, it certainly could be a product of some sort and it could be revenue focused, but I think there's an opportunity to really sit back and strategically say to yourself, how do I want to build my authority with my ideal clients? So when they come back, I'm top of mind. And a book is a really logical outcome for, for many people in that situation. hundred percent. Yeah. It's like design your own leapfrog. So if, if things get slow for, you know, before we were saying like, it might be that your clients slow down. A lot of the people in your vertical slow down and some of them take the opportunity to speed up, get ahead of the pack. You could do the same thing for your own business. And book is the obvious thing for me too. That was the first thing I thought of is like, oh, well, if you're not busy and you don't, you're not desperate for cash, you've got a few months at least that or, or more, whatever, whatever you have, if you're not desperate for the cash and you, it's the perfect time to write a book. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Or maybe you, you're not ready to write a book yet, but you are ready to really invest in building out your point of view. I mean, you could invest in building your email list in writing about something that's very specific that people in this niche are experiencing right now. And you're not selling them anything other than, you know, access to your, your email list, which is free. You're enticing them into the world that you want to create. And that's a great opportunity for people to learn your name and mm -hmm. learn how you think so that when they are ready to part with some, you know, some cash here, you're, you're there ready to help them. Right. Yeah. I, I get a question a lot of times when people are sort of exposed to value priced projects and the 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 way that they typically end or or tail off. A question that comes up a lot from software developers is like, but how do you schedule a project? How do you schedule projects back to back is essentially the question. And I'm like, I wouldn't schedule projects back to back. But the, but the question is so common that I know that people feel like if they are not busy with client work, something's wrong. And, mm -hmm. and my answer, and they would, they would say, well, so you must have had space between projects. I was like, yeah, all the time. And they were, they would be like, well, how did you deal with that? And I was like, well, I would work on the business. Like those are the times that I would write a book or those are the times that I would back before I did daily email, I would like blog more or mm -hmm. uh, submit, or uh, what's it called? Call for speakers, call for papers for conferences mm -hmm. and uh, outreach and podcast uh, guesting, podcast yeah. guesting, start a podcast, uh, reach out to your network and sort of keep your your relationships warm and checking in on people or sending useful links and all of that's all the working on the business stuff. It's it's like you, sh you well, shouldn't here comes a should <laughs> you, you shouldn't be working full time on client work because then there's no time left over for you to work on your business. So anyway, so so times like this. So that's that happens all the time. That happens if if you're still in a model where you're doing delivery of some kind, you can get really busy with client work. And then I just know that people sometimes will start to freak out and feel like like, what do I do with my time when um, I don't have clients calling me every five minutes? Uh, it, it just could be a similar thing here where where if if work actually was drying up and you couldn't find some sort of innovative way to address the new expensive problem or you couldn't reframe yourself as actually the affordable choice, then yeah, write a book, start create a workshop, start a podcast, write more. Well, yeah. And I think I just want to make this point because some people get like really 
in a weird mindset place when they're not busy. And what you want to do in an ideal world, you have a system that you follow that brings you leads, whatever that is. And you operate that system in a small amount of time all the time. It's always operating in the background. Um, And you may be working on it. You may be having, for example, get acquainted calls. Maybe that's part of what you do to, to develop leads. But the key is when you suddenly have this big open spot of time, not to go desperate, not to go, oh, I'm doing three hours a week. I better do 30 hours a week of new business. And that desperation just leeches out of you like you won't believe. Everybody picks up on it. So what you want to do instead is keep that system and then invest in the business. Do a different thing instead of doing more calls decide to do something new like a, a podcast or guesting, um, submitting yourself to um, to other shows, not just podcasts, but videos or to other audiences or to other outlets. Pick mm-hmm. something different so yep. you're not feeling that desperation because potential clients can smell that a mile away. Yeah. I was just talking to someone yesterday who's got two, has two big things going on in her business. And and was, in my opinion, obsessing about the wrong one. So I was like, I was like, it, it's great. And, and is always going to be obsessing about something. Just like, it is just likes to have something to kind of, obsessing is a strong word. I'm, I was kind of, kind of joking a little bit, but just really top of mind. She's got two things going on. And the one that she's really focused on is, is a big thing, but it's very tactical. But it's also, it's just like a, a giant list of of check boxes that need to be ticked. It's not going to take a lot of creativity or uh, additional effort is not going to produce additional results, really. Like all of the Mm -hmm. work that would go into ticking those boxes isn't really going to, like you could outsource. It's the kind of stuff that you could have a VA do or something like that for for the most part. But it was taking up all of her headspace. And there's this other thing that could massively impact her business, you know, in the, for for the next three to five years, like a huge, you know, and it's a book. So it's like obsess over that. You know, I, I, the, the, I, the joke I made was direct your obsession at the book, not at the checklist. Right. It's the tyranny of the checklist because it feels so good for some people to just check that off and they convince themselves they're moving their business forward when the real opportunity isn't even in their frame. Right. And there's not as much, you don't have as much press field resistance on the checklist. Uh, it, it's just work that needs to be done. Uh, someone needs to do it, uh, but it doesn't need to be, you don't need to pour your whole creative energy into it because there's really not that much creative stuff to do there. And and press field resistance is, I don't know if this is true in this particular case, but is the kind of thing that would you know, send, send the, it would trigger your procrastination nerve and go into checklist mode. And like, here's, here's stuff that needs to be done. There's no question how it's going to be done. It's not that creative. It just needs to get done. And then over here, you've got this daunting thing. That's a much longer term play. It doesn't feel like it's going, you know, it might not even pay dividends. It probably will, but you never know. And by the time it does, by the time you know, it worked, you've already done all the work. So it's scary. Right. So on top of it, it feels really risky. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 
but if you're if you've if you've got the runway and you've got time on your hands i would much rather see some you know investing in creating some kind of tent pole content piece or some some build the business activity that will keep you away from overworking your system and overworking your prospects and your leads and just just throwing off that scent of desperation yeah and at the end of it you've got something to show for it i mean that's what's exciting is when you start to go oh i have this and i have this and i have this and your audience sees that so it's building uh, your authority not to no purpose but to build your business right yeah and i suppose uh, this might be I have, I have another note here in terms of possible tactics you could use in a situation like this and it might be cheating uh, but it's possible that there is depending on your target market it's possible that there's something right adjacent to it that you could at least put feelers out and see if there's if, if the contraction in your you know your uh, direct target market if that is triggering the opposite or triggering like an opportunity in an adjacent market so that's not cheating <laughs> i like it <laughs> okay so you know if uh, one that i i noticed in my business was was when i was uh, testing the credit union space i initially was talking directly with credit unions uh, but then it became clear to me that that the bigger opportunity was in businesses that served the credit union space so uh, you know like people that provided kind of like white label online banking resources were just a hundred times bigger than any than almost any credit union that they served like they had all the money right the credit unions were barely scraping by trying to keep up with regulations and they didn't ha really have an appetite for spending uh, so on and so forth but it was like if i was going to stay in that space i would have done a little half pivot, a little zig over to to the people who were actually creating the systems that the credit unions were were using, almost like big enterprise SaaS type products, uh, because they were more the the appropriate mindset for someone like me. They were they were less risk averse. They were more risk tolerant. So you might find it could just be as simple as that. Like if you could find an adjacent market that speaks the same language that you have learned from your target market so you're, you're an insider still uh, but they have just have a different risk tolerance risk profile and they're not as threatened by this or they've got a bigger appetite for risk so i don't know what that looks like if, yeah. yeah i mean maybe it's vcs if you yeah go ahead. yeah i'm thinking from the from the startup world maybe you just look for the next level of funding they're not startups but they were startups mm -hmm. and now there's something else mm -hmm. right. the language or is similar um, and it, I guess it depends what your expertise is. Are you doing, you know, systems, sales, marketing, HR? Right. Um, but but you still have that. You still have the lingo. Right. Right. Yeah. As long as you're still an insider, it doesn't really freak me out. I wouldn't like update my whole website or anything like that. Probably depends, of course, depending on how specific your website is. But you could just start to put out feelers into that market. And maybe you've, you probably have connections if it's adjacent enough that you could go through and say, hey, you know, I don't know, maybe if you'd currently do startups, then maybe recruiters like startups hire recruiters a lot. So you could kind of like tech recruiters, maybe get an introduction to someone over there and say, you know, do some research, do some homework and see if that's a, a potential sort of, like I said, it's not a pivot, but it, it's more like a zag. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, but, I also like the book. Yeah. So just big picture. It's like when there's a sort of, I mean, I wouldn't call this an asteroid level event, but it's just one of those things that just, you know, smashes into a market relatively unexpectedly and it just changes the conversation. It changes everybody, how everyone's feeling and what they're thinking. And, you know, I get the big picture is like, like, I don't want to say use it to your advantage, but just like it happened, it's just understand it and kind of like surf it. It's like a wave, a tidal wave. You just like surf it. Don't get squashed by it. Yeah. Surfing, I think, is a good analogy because this stuff happens in every single niche at some point. Something happens and it changes how people think about all sorts of things. And when you surf, you have a chance to feel the wave underneath you, whether it's getting bigger or smaller, whether the pow- it's starting to power down or you're getting ready for, you know, like that 30 foot crest. Mm-hmm. It's that it's yeah, you really it's and it's it's challenging because I think a lot of us want to go with what we know and we want to, if we're in a comfortable niche and we're doing well, we're like, but I love it here. (laughs) Um, Right. Right. Yeah. The water's perfect. So it's, yeah, it's, it's finding that, that way to balance what's happening with, you know, with your own mindset, Mm -hmm. not letting, you know, letting your, your head get to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, it can be scary for sure. But, mm-hmm. you know, if, if your options are ride it or be crushed by it, I pick ride. I pick ride yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ride or die. <laughs> um, well, let's see. Do, is there anything else? Did you have something else in your notes that we could suggest as people are sort of wrestling with this? I mean, we sort of talked about the other thing, which is just not backing down the food chain. It's, I think that it's, it, it is a mindset thing, but it's important not to let the fear overwhelm you and have you make knee-jerk decisions that are not going to serve you, right? And the knee-jerk could be, oh, I have to, I have to like do this other thing that I used to do before I got good at this. So, you know, like somebody in, in software might say, oh yeah, I've been doing strategy, but I guess I better rent myself out by the day now. Actually, I would argue that's not going to work now, but, but that could be the feeling like I better do that because when I did that, I didn't make as much money, but I always had it coming in. It was, there was a steady flow and I need that, that feel of the steady flow. Cause this is having your own business, whatever business it is, it's a mindset game. It, it just is. It's like, we have to manage our stress level, how we think about it. And when we get nervous, sometimes we just, you know, you got to go for a walk. and start to think about what's really important, what you absolutely must do because you have to put food on the table and what kind of opportunity is presenting itself for you to, I keep saying, move up the food chain, but really it's, it, this could be an amazing opportunity to get to that next level that you've been thinking about. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to say, don't operate from a place of fear. It's harder to do, but, but so true, but that's why it can work. Because a lot of people will operate from a place of fear, so it could be your opportunity to leapfrog. <sighs> yeah, during um, in 2020, I had a client who, you know, was very uh, self-aware, and uh, actually, he ha- had a firm, 
And he said, listen, you know, I've been bankrolling cash for a while. I always like to be comfortable and I really want to redo my website now. And he has a firm of people. Redoing the website was not a simple undertaking. It was expensive. Um, But he spent some serious money on that and felt good about it. He said, you know, business is quiet now. It's the perfect time. And I can get access to my people. I can have um, somebody work on bios and how we describe ourselves. And so it was, and it was such a joy to work with somebody like that who said, yeah, I know. Yeah, we've had some hard years too, but this is not one of them. We're going to ride the wave and this is how we're going to invest Mm. in our business. So you want to be him. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Emulate that. I mean, it, it reminds me of just the normal, normal, sort of annual cycle which seems pretty common that things slow down in the summer they slow down around the holidays the end of the year and then they sort of like they pick back up after you know so there's this Mm -hmm. normal kind of predictable undulation to people's spending habits with stuff like this Um, so it's it's a surprise when it comes out of nowhere but it's a similar concept where you know you just hunker down and create stuff Hopefully yeah, that. there will be surprises, you know, and the nature of surprises, we don't know what they are. We don't know when they're <laughs> going to come. <laughs> but, you know, just to, to step on the, the financial bandwagon for a minute, this is why you really want to have some reserves, why you want to have, especially when you have your own business, is you want to have um, a number of months banked in cash, not invested in the stock market, but readily available in cash to give yourself the luxury of not having to feel crazy Mm. during a time like this. Yes. Well, I hope that this has been helpful to someone. Please let us know what your, your, your pivot is or your zag or your, your innovation or, uh, your reframe, your reframing. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Love to hear about it. Absolutely. Cool. Anything else? Not for me. All right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.